From DiCamilla Capital Management in Sacramento, California, this is What's Cooking on Wall Street with your host, Dave DiCamilla. All right, welcome everybody. This is Ty Rickman here again with Dave DiCamilla of DiCamilla Capital Management. Dave, how are you doing today? Couldn't be better. Yeah? Well, why? Well, is that because the market's doing pretty well? Well, it never does any good to complain. A friend of mine said, 90% of the people don't care about your problems, and the other 10% are glad you got them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we are actually looking at, um, what is this, the third day? of uh, positive returns as we sit here talking. This is February 14th, 2018. So the last three days have been pretty good, especially considering last week was not so good. So what? tell us about what was going on there last week. Well, last week um, we had a situation where the markets had been running for quite a while. Now you have to bear in mind we went down 1,000 points in a period of one or two days. And I think one day the market was down 1,000. Wow. And when I started in the business in 1983, the Dow Jones Industrial Average just broke 1,000. It had been 800. There was a cover of Time Magazine saying that the Dow was dead. This so was in 1982. So the whole Dow was 1,000 points. points. Wow. So the message here is that the race is kind of won by the people that can hang in through these periods of downdraft. Now, in that 35-year period, I've had... Umpty um crash of 87, mini crash in 89, savings and loan problems in the early 90s, Russian currency crisis uh, in 98, uh, the tech wreck in 2000. And of course, we had the greatest correction in, you know, since the Great Depression in 08. So we've seen these things before. There's a percentage that the pullback was we kind of viewed it, we discussed it, we, we kind of viewed it as a, a necessary uh, pressure valve, uh, something, you know, blowing off some steam. Stocks can't go up unless they go down. They have to go down. You have right. to give up some uh, of the gain to, to provide a base for it to move higher. So, And I've heard the term thrown around, correction. Now, what, what was last week a correction? Or what, and if so, what is that? A full correction is generally considered between 5 and 10%. 10% and, and down. That, and, we, and 10% down. And that's what we did all of that. We did it in about two weeks. So if you look at where we were and where we went and now where we are, we kind of corrected and we're back um, in business. So. And was that, was that a normal uh, amount of time for a correction to happen? I mean, that no, fast? No, normally they can take, you know, anywhere from uh, 6 to six months. They seldom go more than a year and a half. I mean, the bear market in 73 and 74 went quite a while, but bull markets can run for quite a while. Bear markets tend to be much shorter. We're not, we had a correction. I don't think it's a bear market. Although, Paul Samuelson, the economist, said that the stock market has predicted nine out of the last five recessions. So it's it's an inherently bad indicator, the stock market that is, to predicting the economy right but uh would you call this a correction i would um it, it went down certainly went down enough it was very abrupt and it wasn't fun but in the grand scheme of things um it's a it's part of what we call we've talked about again systemic risk that you really can't do a lot about it's there it's part of the market you can be the best 
driver in the world, you can still have an auto accident. These things happen, and um, but you tend to fundamentally you want to be in, in things that you can defend and own and um, have the quality to weather these types of events. So having those things, I'm just going to assume your advice would be not to not to sell in a panic when something like yeah. this happens. Yeah, I mean basically step back and. Um, if you have cash and you have things that you want to buy and they get cheap, pick them up. I mean, that's generally been, if you look at the charts, people that bought in the various crashes throughout history have tended to do very well. Provided, you know, the caveat is you want to buy quality companies or quality assets, fundamentally solid businesses, and that tends to work out at a minimum. I don't think if you're in good positions you want to be stampeded out of them. Um, by a geopolitical or technical correction, you know that, that generally has been a loser's game. Um, we did in January, uh, for fundamental reasons, unload a lot of our General Electric, but that was for fundamental reasons. We just felt that you know it's going to be they have a long road ahead of them, and probably it's a good idea to get out of that. Clarify what fundamental means. What, well, what, what do you mean when you say well, there's fundamental? There's several levels to uh, to look at it at an asset. Um, Fundamental, technical, and subjective. The fundamental level looks at what the company does, how much money they make, the returns on equity, their profitability, their margins, debt levels, you know, what kind of economic uh, barriers to entry they have in their business. All the things that are incumbent on understanding what an enterprise does. Um, technical indicators are just the actual aspects of the stock, which really oftentimes they have can have nothing to do with the fundamentals, really. It's how the buying and selling of the shares. And subjective is, you know, whether or not you want to own the, the company. That would be, might be, some people just have an aversion to, tech, to tobacco stocks or defense stocks or, you know, various um, subjective feelings that, you know, get involved or come to play in looking at a company. So we tend to focus on the fundamentals. So how frequently do corrections happen? Bull markets are formed in periods of despair. So if there's a, a protracted period of bad feeling like in the you know the late 20 the 30s early 30s that's what the formation of a bull market is. And a bull market comes when there's euphoria and then you get a correction. So it's more of a function of the uh, not a, so much time is when this euphoria takes hold. Right. I don't think we're in a period of euphoria right now. There's enough worry and concern in the overall financial community. People aren't tripping over themselves, you know, extolling the virtues of being in equities. I mean, this latest thing served to put more fear into the public, which right. is good. I mean, I think you, you need to have some basis of, uh, of uh, fear, understanding, and makes for more practical decision-making. So we've seen here in the last few months as we go into the first quarter of 2018 just an insane amount of growth in the equities market. Stocks are going crazy, flying high. We had this correction last week. A few days it was down. Now it looks like things are sort of upticking again. Are we out of the woods? Volatility um, 
a lot of people make the mistake, let's go back, in defining risk as volatility. We, and I never have, uh, if you just assume that the volatility is incumbent with ownership of an equity, then you go a long way to uh, being able to weather these storms. And in, in instead, if you focus on the fundamentals, actually what the enterprise does, or your array of enterprises, or how your portfolio is constructed, uh, and that gives you much more uh, focus and stability and, and in a, the tools, I, I, maybe you could say, to uh, get through these periods of correct, correction. If you, you know, where did, for example, where did 10% of Abbott Laboratories disappear to? Well, they're still making money. They're still a leader in their business, uh, you know, and it's going to continue. Um, you could say that about any number of companies. What people are willing to pay for them um, is an, another matter. So there's, there's a volatility that's incumbent on a liquid asset. But I don't think uh, we define risk as the fact the company going out of business, failing to pay a dividend, uh, becoming obsolete, just failing, a failure of the enterprise. To me, that's risk. But the fact that it bounces up and down, um, we've talked about if you can't own a stock for five years, you probably shouldn't own one for five seconds. Right. Right. Got to be. You need to be in it for the long. Yeah. Run. It's it. Time is the big lever in this thing. Right. So for the younger investor out there who, you know, cut their teeth to, so to speak, uh, in 2008, 2009, saw that horrific crash of 08, 09, is this the same thing that we saw last week or is this something different? I don't think it is. Uh, that was a culmination of uh, excesses in the mortgage market leading uh, to real stress in the banking system. You had a banking system in 08 that was at risk. They were over levered. Uh, they didn't understand uh, the the values of the mortgages that were the the value of the real properties that were supporting these mortgages was was uh, miscalculated, and there was just too much capital going into the mortgage market. In it, and the banks failed to diversify. They had too much money in these things, and so when they went the wrong way, it just it merely undermined the whole banking system. Today, uh, the banks, on the other hand, are just the opposite. They're very liquid. Their tier one capital is at all-time highs. Uh, the lending practices are much better. So um, the banking system is much stronger today. So what, when we had this correction in the market, uh, it was in this scenario of a much stronger banking environment as well. In fact, in 08, the, the banking system induced the market correction. And nowadays, it seems that the banks are much stronger and markets can do what they want, but it doesn't necessarily affect the banking, which is a much, we're in a much better situation today. And that goes back to speaking to what you were saying about fundamentals as well. Yeah. In the end, you have to have a fundamentally strong business. And if you do that, it, it goes a long way to giving you the uh, ability to, to endure a lot of these short-term corrections and pullbacks. I mean, the, the market is a big place. There's a lot of people that are in it for different reasons. And with these derivative instruments today, and a lot of these, as Warren Buffett termed them, uh, weapons of financial uh, mass destruction, uh, you can have significant pullbacks. Now, one of the advantages of 
owning your own companies is the boards of these companies will defend their share price. They'll move in and buy stock and support the price. Um, and a lot of these derivative instruments, funds, and so forth, it's every man for the, the door at once, and nobody is really stepping in to provide buying and buying support when bad things happen. On the other hand, a, a corporate board with cash, in many instances, Fortune 500 companies, they tend to, to buy their stock back when it gets low. They take care of their shareholders. Right, exactly. Um, one of the problems in this last pullback is a lot of the companies couldn't do that because they were in earnings period and they, they were constrained from, from doing buybacks. I'll give you a good example. Apple has over $163 billion, uh, in cash on their books. They're looking to support their share price this year. So there's about hundred, almost $200 billion in, in money coming into Apple stock from the corporation itself. So you want to be on the right side of those types of things. There's, there's fundamental risk that we talked about, the risk that the company can go broke. Uh, but there's systemic risk, and, and these corrections come under the category of systemic risk. It's, it's there. They're, it's out there. They happen. Uh, it, and it's the only way you can really diversify against it is through good fundamentals, diversification, uh, holding some cash, and that generally can get you through uh, periods of stress. Like we just witnessed we last just week. Witnessed. You talked about the Dow being around 1,000 right. when you started right. 30 years ago. Right. Now it's at 35. What? <laughs> Who's counting? <laughs> Time flies when you're Yeah, exactly. Well, now the market's at twenty six thousand, or was right. it twenty six thousand? Right. We're right, yeah, yeah, right around. The Dow is right. Yeah. Oh, uh, why is that? What What has changed so much in those thirty five years? Well, the companies themselves, um, you know, are bigger. They get bigger, more sales. Uh, the middle class around the world is getting bigger. Uh, companies do business in hundreds hundreds of countries. Uh, demand for goods and services goes up, and that's reflected in the price these companies get for their products. They in turn earn more money. Uh, the, their ability to earn more money means that their share prices are worth more. They're worth more as an enterprise, and that's reflected in their their stock price over time. In any given moment, you know, uh, sentiment can change and so forth, but. Uh, if one were to look at the Dow in uh, 80, when I said it was Union Carbide, Texaco, uh, International Harvester, a lot of companies that have gone away or been merged in their place, there's Nike, Apple, uh, Cisco, that are more reflective of contemporary society, and they're worth more money. And so the average of these companies is worth more. Right. Because they're making more, and they're more valuable. Right. So 1,000 points off of a market this big looks scary. You but, see, you see that big, that big down, right. down, you know, Doesn't make down it mark. Any easier, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, keeping it in perspective. Yeah, you need you need to really look at it as a percentage and and what's really going on and how is that affecting me or you as the individual investor. And as I say, if you look at your statement or your portfolio and say, gee, you have things that that comfortable with, then it shouldn't cause any angst. 
we're, we've talked about, the, we're the only business that when things get low, people don't want to buy them. And um, if stocks do go on sale, then, the, you know, provided, again, the fundamentals are in place and so forth. Right, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, yeah. like you're saying, you want to buy something that, you want to buy something good on sale. You right. don't want to just buy it right. because it's on sale, you know. So as we talked about, we're, we just saw a 10% correction. People were losing confidence. They were freaking out, uh, getting confused, agitated, didn't know what to do. What would you recommend for people, Dave, that are in that situation, that are feeling that way? Well, in, these time, in times of high anxiety, I always think of my maternal grandmother, Assunta Di Roberto from uh, Aquila, Italy. And what Assunta would do is she would make meatballs. So what I'm going to recommend to everybody is if the market's dropping and you have a lot of anxiety, just make some meatballs. And what you do is you go to the store and get a pound of high-quality ground beef, half to three-quarters of a pound of ground pork, half a pound of ground veal, uh, some uh, fresh flat-leaf parsley, make your home, homemade breadcrumbs, three or four cloves of garlic, Homemade breadcrumbs, or should I kind no, of skip it? No, I got a homemade. You can't use those things in a paper containers. That doesn't work. It's not quite the same. So you take all your ingredients and you put your you get a nice mixing bowl. Put your meat in the mixing bowl. Crack an egg, maybe two. I, one's good, usually enough. What does the egg do to it? It gives it. It binds it and puts it together. You add your you know good quality breadcrumbs that you make yourself. Just put them in a blender. Um, Mince your garlic real fine. Mince your parsley. Add that. Um, you mix it all together, salt and pepper, and uh, form your meatballs. You can make them big, small, real kind of tiny, like mini meatballs. It depends on taste and preferences. Then the decision comes whether you put them directly into your marinara sauce as is, raw, and then it cooks in the sauce and all the flavor comes together. You can bake them, in a, put them on a sheet pan, and bake them for 45 minutes, and then put them into your sauce. Or you can fry them in a in a frying pan and get them all brown, and take them out of the frying pan and put them into your into your sauce. So that's up to you. But definitely making meatballs is something to do when the anxiety or nervousness or angst of the market comes to pass, and it, it's a great way to weather the storm, so to speak. Now, do you what do you do? Do you fry? Do you cook in the it, sauce? It depends. If I'm feeling really um, like I want to be bad, I take the meatballs uh, right as they're made and put them right into my marinara sauce. If, on the other hand, I want to be a little more health conscious, I bake them and drain them on a paper towel. Or middle ways, you can fry them and then drain them as well. But uh, under any circumstance... The meatballs and the sausage. And save that for a 10% full on correction, yeah. right? Yeah. If it's, if it's a small, you know, down 1 or 2%, bake, bake. Yeah. Yeah.